ICBC rate freeze. There will be no increases to ICBC's overall basic rate for the next two years. How the provincial insurer is keeping a cap on costs. Closing arguments in the prison escape murder case. What the Crown said to try to convince the jury to convict James Lee Bush. And a $100,000 reward. We firmly believe that there are people out there who can give us key information. The attack on Coastal GasLink employees and how RCMP hope the lucrative offer will help them solve it. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The provincial government wants to freeze auto insurance rates for another two years, helping control the rising cost of living in B.C. The public insurer switched to a no-fault system last year, turning around its financial future. But as Richard Zussman reports, some crash victims feel it comes at their expense. Putting the brakes on car insurance rate increases. This will help keep insurance affordable for British Columbians at a time when people are facing significant cost pressures. The B.C. government announcing Monday they are asking the independent B.C. Utilities Commission for a two-year basic car insurance rate freeze, rates that are now among some of the lowest in Canada. For example, a 30-year-old woman with driving experience and a recent crash is paying two grand a year here compared to nearly $5,000 a year in Alberta. And I'm really proud of what the team at ICBC here has done. The big price drop and the dumpster fire being put out came with a switch to no-fault insurance last year, taking lawyers and their fees largely out of the equation. Last year, ICBC made $2.2 billion, but recently there's been a change of lanes. Budget forecasts show a projected loss of $298 million this year, a $625 million drop just over the last few months due to investment losses. When I look at the sale of insurance, they're losing 11 cents on the dollar uh, on that. And so it really makes me question whether or not uh, this rate freeze is here to last. While rates may be frozen, victims like Jen Miley feel frozen out. After being hit by a vehicle in a crosswalk, she says she has no one advocating for her. The fact that I didn't have access to an advocate because of this new law uh, to really take advantage of someone in a weakened situation. Now we're going to see continual growing pains from this new system. There are going to be issues that we need to address. While the government puts the pedal to the metal on keeping no-fault insurance, the BC Liberals believe now is the time to open things up to competition. When you take away choice, you create a real challenge with uh, you know, a, a monopoly like ICBC being able to you know, crank up costs. And although the roads are clear ahead now, critics say those costs could force customers to buckle up for another crash at the public insurer. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. BC's flu shot blitz over the weekend encouraged thousands of people to show up at drop-in clinics across the province. Keith Baldry joins us with more. And Keith, the focus this weekend was clearly on children. What have we learned about the uptake in kids so far? Yeah, I think the clinics had a positive impact, Chris, on people getting the shot at any age, but encouraging news to see the numbers associated with young people. About 77,000 people got vaccinated last week. More than half of those were on the weekend. Here's how it breaks down by age group. First of all, the youngest age group is six months to four years, not zero to four. That's my mistake. It's six months when you become eligible. More than 5,500 babies basically got vaccinated on this weekend blitz. Five to 11, more than 7,000 kids. More than 3,000 teenagers also got the flu shot. And 
overall for the, the blitz there, uh, more than 26,000 people got vaccinated. Those numbers are up compared to previous weekends. In fact, the numbers look encouraging enough. We caught up with Health Minister Adrian, Adrian Dix today who says, based on what he saw on the weekend, it's probably a good idea to do it again. I think the message is we got to keep going. This is an opportunity this week uh, for, uh, for parents to get their children vaccinated before Christmas break. We're looking to do something similar uh, the, the end of this week into next weekend to give people another chance to do that. It's a really important time to get vaccinated against influenza, and uh, we're giving more and more opportunities to do that. So across the population, Chris, uh, based on age, people aged over six months and older, we're now at 30% vaccination rate. That's up significantly over the last couple of weeks. We're still in the middle of respiratory illness seasons. So the flu vaccine is going to be available for some weeks and months yet. So the message from public health and doctors are get vaccinated and you're going to have that opportunity, it seems, with new clinics to be open this weekend. Sounds like another blitz is coming. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. Closing arguments today in the trial of a prison escapee accused of killing a Vancouver Island man. Aaron MacArthur reports on the dramatic differences between what the Crown and defence say is proven by the evidence. Unless Martin Payne's murderer was a master ninja and able to wield three weapons at the same time, there must have been more than one attacker in his home the day he died in July of 2019. That argument made by Crown Counsel today, wrapping up its charge of first-degree murder against James Lee Bush. There were originally two accused in this trial. Zachary Armitage has been removed from the proceedings, and he will be dealt with separately. The jury, though, still hearing arguments that both men were working together. Crown says although the evidence is largely circumstantial, it has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Bush was in Payne's home through DNA evidence found on sneakers splashed with Martin Payne's blood. What's more, those sneakers consistent with a bloody footprint found on the bathroom floor near where Payne's body was discovered. Bush also arrested wearing Martin Payne's clothing with his house and truck keys in his pocket. Crown says there is evidence of two murder weapons, a hatchet used by someone to attack Payne from behind and a large Bowie knife used by an attacker in front, both of which were used to inflict catastrophic injuries. Defense, on the other hand, painting a vastly different version of events, saying, based on the evidence, there's more than enough reasonable doubt in this case. Arguing while there is significant evidence against Zachary Armitage, there's little to no forensic evidence against James Bush. Defense arguing that based on the circumstantial nature of this case, there is no other course of action for the jury to take but to acquit. Crown also opening the door for charges other than first-degree murder. Justice David Crossan will instruct the jury Tuesday. They could begin deliberations Tuesday afternoon. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. The debate over who should provide policing in Surrey is back on the agenda tonight. A city report indicates sticking with the RCMP could save taxpayers money, but not everyone is convinced by the numbers. Krista Dow is live in Surrey with more. And Krista, this is still such a divisive topic. Yeah, divisive and contentious and one where we've seen plenty of back and forth over the years. And we expect that tonight as a draft report does head to council outlining the cost of policing in Surrey and what it would cost taxpayers if they stop that transition to the Surrey Police Service. Now that draft report, the 88 draft report, 
claims that continuing on with the Surrey Police Service would cost taxpayers an additional $235 million over the next five years. But Surrey Police Chief Constable Norm Lipinski claims that figure is incorrect. He says his team crunched the numbers and came up with $99 million over that same time frame. Surrey Police also estimating about $100 million have already been invested. Funds they say are unrecoverable. The report also says Surrey Police has less than half the officers required to police the city. But Lipinski again disagrees and says there's no problem with hiring. We are probably the only major Canadian city that has no problem recruiting. We have over a thousand applicants for experienced officers and we have over a thousand for brand new recruits and that's unheard of in Canadian policing. So uh, recruiting up to the 734 police officers that's required for Surrey is not a problem for us and it's not a problem for us even to grow after that. So Chris, council is expected to endorse that report and deliver it to Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth later this week. Again, like many Surrey City Council meetings, it is expected to be a long night. All right, and we'll uh, look for coverage of that later on this evening. That's Krista Dow in Surrey for us tonight. Thanks, Krista. Vancouver police have put out a video appeal to help identify a woman who drowned in the waters off Spanish banks in late September. The VPD says she appeared to be black in her 30s with distinctive freckles. She was wearing a backpack and a blue inflatable kayak was located nearby, along with a vial of insulin, which might suggest she had suffered medical distress. Because they haven't been able to identify her, police believe she may have been new to Canada or a traveler who has not been reported missing. It's been almost 10 months since a violent and costly attack on a northern B.C. pipeline project, and there are still no arrests. RCMP are hoping a major new reward will encourage tips that could help break the case. And Amadagahi has more on the status of the investigation. Despite exhausting all leads to date, our investigators have not been able to definitively identify those individuals responsible for these crimes. Ten months into their investigation and RCMP in northern BC are no closer to finding the people responsible for an estimated $20 million of damage to a major natural gas pipeline construction site. Now to help police break through in their months-long search for suspects, the Independent Contractors and Business Association of BC is offering $100,000 as a reward for information leading to an arrest and charge. No worker in any workplace in British Columbia or their families should live in fear that when they go to clock in, go to their place of work, that they are at risk of attacks from thugs and criminals. The attack happened in mid-February when police say just after midnight, security workers at a key drill site for the coastal gasoline pipeline were ambushed by up to 20 disguised people, some carrying weapons. While at the same time, another group was able to slow down police response on the only service road leading to the work site. A number of people engaged our officers as they made their way through the debris and traps by throwing smoke bombs and fire-lit sticks at them causing injuries to one officer. Investigators have not linked this violence to the largely peaceful anti-pipeline protests ongoing in the region for years. 
The increased RCMP presence in the area is noticeable and concerning for some indigenous communities. It, it, it's it's nerve-wracking because the non-First Nations people are looking at you and they're wondering, you know, is, is this the person? Uh, why we got all this police around us? And 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 I believe probably they're they're unnerved by all the police activity as well. Despite the ongoing investigation, work on the 670 kilometer natural gas pipeline continues and is now up to 70% complete. Emadagahi, Global News. A warning for thieves who show up at the front door. They might be stealing a box that gets them delivered to jail. The bait package program putting porch pirates away next on the news hour. Kind of help the homeless, kind of like survive. A social media post goes viral how a young boy was inspired to help the homeless. And the Golden Globes hope to regain their Hollywood luster with a more varied group of nominations. That's later. Right now, though, porch pirates in New Westminster might be in for a big surprise this holiday season. Police are launching a bait package program in an effort to deter Grinches. Catherine Urquhart has more on how it works and how you can protect your packages. They're known to grab parcels big and small, taking them right off your front porch. But those porch pirates may want to think twice about their thievery. A new bait program is underway. These packages will be deployed on porches and mail rooms across the city. New Westminster Police just launched the initiative in an effort to target the brazen bandits. It works by placing tracing technology inside packages, allowing police to identify and track them. These bait packages are going to come in all different shapes and sizes and uh, weights. Approximately one in four British Columbians have reported having a package stolen, according to FedEx. Crime Stoppers recently urged consumers to be cautious about their deliveries, which can also alert thieves that they're not home. If you've ordered parcels online, make sure that you have someone pick them up or that you have made an alternate arrangement uh, to get them to deliver to a postal box because it's an invitation to people that uh, you are away from your house. Crime Stoppers advises having items delivered to an office rather than a home. Suggest checking your mailbox regularly and perhaps purchasing shipping insurance for costly items. In New Westminster, police issued this warning to the bad guys. My recommendation to anyone out there that is considering stealing packages is do not do it because we will identify you and we will arrest you. So for those porch pirates, that Christmas package may contain something extra special, a pair of handcuffs. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, it looks like the high or the pressure rather of high inflation is creating a perfect storm for many BC charities this holiday season. Travis Prasad reports on their struggle to meet unprecedented demand. So we're blessed on this day to receive this. What a blessing for us to receive in this Christmas. The Nanjay family just moved to BC from Cameroon in September. They don't have the money for gifts this year, but with the help of the Surrey Christmas Bureau, their nine-year-old son won't be empty-handed on Christmas Day. So I'm just like, wow, is it happening? Is it real? And my son has been saying, Mama, I need toys, I need toys. I know. I told him, you know, we just get in here. Daddy has no money, so 
We cannot get you toys now, so you'll be so happy. Staff here have never seen so many families in need. We're the largest Christmas bureau in the province, and we're certainly feeling the pinch and we're seeing the need. The bureau typically provides presents for 4,500 children. This year, it will be well over 5,000. Executive Director Lisa Waring says inflation is hitting both families and donors. Normally, these should be way out to here, these piles, and probably as high as the, the fence there. Inventory is at a troubling low, with toy and cash donations both way down. But everything has gotten more expensive, and everything is stretching the pocketbooks of the individual donor out there, and even some of the corporations that support us as well. With dwindling supply, the Bureau has no choice but to lower the toy limit from three per child to two. At the Greater Vancouver Food Bank... Demand is unlike anything we've ever seen. Demand began doubling in the summer. Anywhere from 800 to 1,000 new members now signing up every month. It's unemployment. It's medical-related job loss. Um, it is cost of living. Can't keep up with rent increases. It is newcomers to Canada, so Ukrainian refugees, just as one example. Donations are steady, but the food bank needs to hire more staff to keep up with the additional orders. Would this fit him, your nine-year-old? Yeah. Back at the Christmas Bureau, the Nanjays are grateful. And we came here, we didn't know that this it would be so fantastic and wonderful. We thought that we'd come to get just one toy and go, but they said, take, take, take. So we look shining and we're so blessed and happy. This is wonderful. But for everyone's holidays to be happy, more donations are critical. We are happy. Travis Prasad, Global News. Love to see his joy. Welcome to Canada. All right, just ahead, a shocking car theft. When I first pulled into the school, I noticed um, a lady in the parking lot. How that lady ended up stealing her car with the kids still inside. Also tonight, an update on the whale with a broken back that swam all the way from B.C. to Hawaii. A fire near the town of Lumbee in the Okanagan has left a mother and her two children, aged 6 and 10, homeless and with nothing for the holidays. The fire broke out Sunday morning, a neighbor calling 911 after first thinking the smoke was coming from a bonfire. The home was fully engulfed when firefighters arrived and no one knew if there were people inside. When we arrived, it turned out it was uh, one of the shipping containers that somebody had renovated and was actually living in it. It was fully engulfed upon arrival. One of the big things was, is anybody in there? Because there was a vehicle still left in there. Officials were able to determine the family was not at home. Investigators say the fire appears to be accidental and not suspicious. An online fundraiser has been set up aiming to raise $10,000 for the family who did not have insurance. Merritt RCMP is seeking witnesses and dash camera footage from a hit and run. RCMP released this image that partially captures the truck allegedly involved in the incident passing behind the parked minivan in the foreground there. Police say just before four in the afternoon on November 26th, a 72-year-old pedestrian was hit by a truck in a parking lot near Aberdeen Road. Officers say the truck fled the scene. The truck is described as a four-door white pickup truck. The pedestrian was rushed to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. 
Also in Merritt, a mother is sharing her story so that others can learn from it after her vehicle was stolen with precious cargo inside. Renee Barron says she left her vehicle running when she went into her child's elementary school for a couple of minutes. While inside the school, she spotted her car pulling away, but her two children were buckled up in the back seat. She immediately called police, who arrested a female suspect a couple of blocks away at a pharmacy. Luckily, her kids were not harmed. It happened really, really fast. I was not expecting it, especially at my child's school, you know, where you think you're safe, I guess. I mean, it's not something that crossed my mind would happen in the school parking lot. We are learning more tonight about the remarkable journey of an injured humpback whale that traveled all the way from the B.C. coast to Hawaii in recent weeks. As Kylie Stanton reports, researchers say there were incredible odds for Moon to overcome to be able to make her way south. Seeing this whale breach in the Hawaiian waters can only be described as bittersweet. It was very, very surprising, very mixed with emotions, of course. The humpback known as Moon was spotted off the Kona coast early this month. The mature female completing the more than 6,000 kilometer journey from Finn Island in northern BC to Maui, despite insurmountable odds. The fact that she even made it there and was driven to make that migration this year is remarkable, given her condition. Earlier this year, a vessel strike left Moon with a severe spinal injury. Her body now contorted and likely in considerable pain. And while she left BC in decent condition, she made the journey on only her front fins and without the use of her tail, arriving with a significant infestation of sea lice and severely emaciated. It really stood out because she was with a healthy whale that was acting as her escort. So you really got to see the contrast between a fully healthy whale and then Moon in her condition. The hope is these images will serve as a sobering reminder for those on the water, highlighting the importance of being whale aware. For boaters, this means parallel viewing, exercising caution and vigilance when in the proximity of a whale, abiding by whale warning flags, and most importantly, if you see a blow, go slow. But everyone, even those on land, can do their part. Realizing how connected you are and how our consumer and voter behavior ends up impacting the whales with the noise impacts, the fossil fuel impacts, yeah, and the literal potential physical impacts to the whales. With the humpback population on the rise, so are the number of vessel strikes. And while the reality is most collisions are not reported, as some ships don't even realize they've made contact, when whales do surface, it's an opportunity for everyone to learn. Why put them into the world? Because hopefully that concern translates into people doing something. But at this point, there's nothing anyone can do for Moon. This migration here will likely be her last. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Coming up, international condemnation of Iran. Another protester put to death after widespread demonstrations. Now the Iranian regime is handling the backlash. Also coming up tonight, the shows we escaped to getting a Golden Globe nod. 
For weeks, the streets of Iran's biggest cities have become a battleground for a population pushing back against the country's theocracy. But protesters are now finding themselves facing a life-or-death decision by speaking out, with Iranian authorities now having carried out their second public execution of a protester. Global's Reggie Jakini has more. The anger emanating from within Iran is palpable as ordinary people rise up against tyranny, but do so at grave risk. Majid Riza Ranavard is now the second person who took part in protests to be executed, convicted in a speedy trial of stabbing two Iranian officers. We aren't showing what Iran says is the moment of that attack, but the video is grainy and experts argue the confession was coerced. They expressly told, told us that this is this uh, sentence was based on his own confessions. He's just repeating that he has no recall of the, the incident. This execution comes only days after 23-year-old Mohsen Shakari was hanged, accused of attacking an officer with a machete. Iran is second only to China in the number of executions carried out annually. The Iranian authorities have long used the death penalty as a tool of political uh, repression to instill uh, fear and punish any form of, of dissent. Iran's foreign ministry says all citizens can make criticisms and protests heard, but the world sees it differently and is holding Iran accountable. We consider unacceptable the use of capital punishment as a tool to repress the, the protesters. Protests against Iran's regime followed the death of Masa Amini while in custody of the country's morality police. Sanctions have been levied by nations, including Canada, and the UN has set up a mechanism to investigate human rights violations. It's long overdue. Amnesty International has been calling on, um, on all states to exercise universal jurisdiction to investigate uh, those reasonably suspected of crimes under international law. Iran's regime is now walking a tightrope, attempting to instill fear in protesters while simultaneously unable to quell popular unrest. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. A total of 11 people have been arrested in a police raid on a home in Nanaimo. An emergency response team was brought in to execute a search warrant in the 400 block of Murray Street late this morning. Investigators were looking for evidence connected to a Saturday home invasion at an apartment where a man was stabbed. A 26-year-old was arrested that day. Those taken into custody today at the Murray Street home have since been released. RCMP say the home is well known to them for drugs, crime and social disorder. Enhanced support is coming to people living with mental health and substance use challenges in Maple Ridge. Eight people will now have access to complex care housing. The system supports people who are facing overlapping challenges like mental health issues, substance use, trauma or brain injuries. It helps give them a safe space to come home to in their community. While having access to psychiatric support, primary care, including nurses, indigenous support workers and overdose prevention. Whether you need to temporarily leave your housing to access, uh, you know, treatment to enter detox or any other supports, the ability to actually stay housed and know you have a safe space to come back to is huge. So those people who have been left behind, usually ending up homeless uh, because they're bouncing in and out of systems, are now going to have the ability to know that they're able to return to their safe spaces while they get the care that they need. Complex care in Maple Ridge will be delivered by Fraser Health in partnership with local service providers. Coming up, compassion for the homeless. How about this one? 
How a young boy hopes his desire to help will inspire others to do the same. And coming up in sports, Bo says no. The challenge to sign the Canucks' top goal scorer to a new contract. Join Global News Morning live from the Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come donate an unwrapped toy and make Christmas a little brighter for families in need. In partnership with Forest BC, investing in energy for a better BC. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. The Lumbee Fire Department received a new tool to help fight wildfires near rural communities. So this is a UTV. Uh, it is four-wheel drive, has a small firefighting suppression system on it. Uh, it is used for getting the, the wildland places where the bigger rigs can't get. The fire chief says the UTV will provide a quicker way for crews to get to fires in difficult terrain involving smaller trails and steeper country. It also comes equipped with everything needed at the scene of a fire. It's got a, a water tank, a pump, a uh, foam system and a hose reel on it, which is an add-on to the UTV. The regional district of North Okanagan says the UTV was $65,000 and included a trailer. It came in under budget and was funded through the Lumbee Fire Department's operating reserves. As always, let, let's hope they never have to use it. We want no fires next season. All right, uh, let's check in with weather now. And Christy, turned out to be a great day today. Absolutely. It was a gorgeous day today. I mean, we saw quite a bit of fog through the morning hours and for some areas it lingered a little bit longer, but having that blue sky today sure was nice. That's for sure. Uh, overall, over the next little while, we do have this Arctic ridge of high pressure that's going to hold. We don't have any precipitation in the forecast and we are expecting brighter conditions, although tomorrow we'll see a little bit more cloud cover and I'll show you why in a second. But first, look at this. We saw fog bows across the region. This is a shot from Abbotsford. Thank you to Gayla for that one. And basically, it's the same process as what you would get for a rainbow where um, the sun's rays or sun's light is getting refracted off the water droplets in the fog. But typically, you don't get color in a fog bow. And you can see a shot from the uh, Grouse Mountain area. And another one from Abbotsford. We had lots of people sending us photos. So check it out again tomorrow. If you have a, a look around, you may see a fog bow again. Uh, it's going to be very cold tonight, and that's because of this Arctic Ridge of high pressure. So minus one to minus two, a few isolated areas, maybe down to minus four. And for those of you in the interior, very cold as well. Although you've seen colder conditions than this so far this uh, season, but uh, certainly it is uh, just a heads up that it is definitely going to drop in the temperature. So this is the weak front that's going to move across. It is going to bring in a few flurries across the interior regions and some cloud cover to our area. So although we'll see fog in the morning and the fog will dissipate, we won't see as much sunshine as what we saw today. But it's just this one day. So for our Tuesday, we'll see mainly cloudy skies, but that clears out. And overall, we are expecting sunshine over the next several days. So here's your forecast for your Tuesday. A few flurries in through the central interior region and through the south, lots of sunshine. So a bit of cloud cover, certainly, and that's the case across the south coast. Highs will reach only 2 and 3 degrees across the area, so certainly staying chilly over the next little while. Looking at your five-day forecast, we've got great conditions on the way right through until Saturday. Uh, so we've got... Lots of blue sky on the way. All right, here's a look at tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Dawson Creek. Thank you to Penny for sharing that with us. Nice to see the Christmas shot there. Back to you. 
What a beautiful tree. Thanks, Christy. Isn't it? All right. Award season is underway in Hollywood, and that includes the Golden Globe Awards. The show is trying to mend fences and regain its footing amid controversy over the past year and a half. Just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. The Golden Globes definitely like the Banshees of Inishun. The dark comedy starring Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell lead the pack with eight nominations, including Best Picture. It will face off in the Best Film, Comedy or Musical category against Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Babylon, and Triangle of Sadness. The blockbuster Top Gun Maverick soared to a nomination in the Best Film Drama category. It goes up against Elvis, The Fablemans, Tar, and Avatar, The Way of Water. The nominations come a year after it was revealed the Hollywood Foreign Press, which runs the Globes, had no black members. The group says it has taken steps to diversify the voting body and address ethical concerns. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama. Austin Butler, Elvis. Brendan Fraser, The Whale. One nominee who will not be attending is Brendan Fraser, who said he was groped in 2003 by a former president of the HFPA. Fraser and Butler will be competing against Bill Nye in Living, Jeremy Pope in The Inspection, and Hugh Jackman in The Sun. Thank you so much uh, to the Golden Globes. This is a great honor. It means a lot to me. On the television side... Andrew, apologize. The sitcom Abbott Elementary leads with five nominations, including Best Series, Musical or Comedy. Jeff Nguyen, CBS News, Los Angeles. You know what award season reminds me of? What? All the shows that I still haven't seen. <laughs> I kind of knew you were going to say that, too, because I see a lot there, too, that I think, oh, that looks funny, but I've never watched it. No, all the things that are nominated. <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen them. But it's because I'm too busy watching the news hour on BC1. Right. You've had enough TV by the time you <laughs> as have I. All right. Let's uh, check in with uh, Squire here for a look ahead to what's coming up in sports. You're too busy being on TV to <laughs> watch that. TV. There is that. Yeah. There is that. Okay. So, um, Bo Horvat has refused the Canucks' latest contract offer. Off the slot. And here's another chance. Horvat scores! Does that mean he's now on the trading block, or will the Canucks continue to work with him to find something they both can like? Also tonight, a young boy proving this really is the season for giving. what's happening right now around us when bc needs to connect bc turns to the source that brings us together global news connect we don't like our shoes in that promo mm -mm. <laughs> i thought they looked very nice thanks Squire. thank you You're welcome well there weren't the vans that i normally wear <laughs> that's true so there's that she comes in looking like a skateboarder some days <laughs> a little bit <laughs> Uh, all right, what's going on, Squire? Okay, so um, the Vancouver Canucks have made a couple of offers to Bo Horvat on a new contract this season, but the answer from Horvat so far has been no thanks. 
And considering the season he's having and the fact he is a free agent next summer, it's understandable he's in no hurry to sign unless the deal is just too good to pass up. And with the Canucks cap situation, it's kind of hard to make that kind of an offer right now. But the Canucks are going to keep on trying. Of course, this all means there will also be trade speculation. Now, he's a player a lot of teams would want, but most teams wanting to trade for Horvat would probably want to know for sure if he would sign a new deal with them before making a trade. Some teams might just want to rent Horvat basically from the trade deadline through the playoffs. Whatever the case, the Canucks would ask for a lot for Bo Horvat, much like we had with the Miller speculation last summer, draft picks younger or cheaper players or both draft picks and younger or cheaper players but as I said the Canucks have said they will keep on trying to get a contract with Bo Horvat. Uh, Connor Bedard was one of four BC boys named to Canada's world junior team goalie Thomas Millich forwards Logan Stankoven and Caden Bankier are the others two guys who play in BC Vancouver Zach Ostapchuk and Kelowna's Colton Dock are also on the team. Speaking of Bedard, he will be the star attraction when the best draft eligible players gather at the Langley Event Center on January 25th for the Top Prospects game. The CHL's top prospects will be coming to Langley in January and all eyes will be on the local headliner. We've got Connor Bedard to start things off who's uh, you know, the top rated guy in the draft and come from Vancouver. The Regina Pat star is the consensus top prospect and carries the weights of being regarded a generational talent. A title reserved for the likes of Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. Watching him on TV is fine, but seeing the guy live, there's nothing like it. In the slot, little drag move to the backhand, scores! Nasty goal, Connor Bedard! Connor Bedard will be one of 40 players in this game along with Vancouver Giants Samuel Honzik and Jaden Lipinski. You know, Samuel Honzik, who's, uh, we think is going to go fairly high in the first round as well, and um, Jaden Lipinski uh, that's moving up the draft every game he plays uh, that are playing for us right here now. Each team will be coached by a former and familiar Canuck. Henrik and Daniel Sedin will finally be going head-to-head. -head. We'll try to be there for them if they have questions, but other than that, it's just about having fun. And, and like I said, it'll be fun for us to see how, how skilled they are and, and uh, just to be so close to them for a few days, it's going to be exciting. For me to see how they solve problems on the ice, because uh, we know that they all have the individual skill to play. Problem solving has always been a strength of the Sedins, who now apply their critical thinking to the Canucks development department, and they'll get a real close look at some of the top talents ahead of next year's draft. This is considered one of the best drafts in a long time, and uh, we've got uh, 40 of the top ones uh, that'll be here. So, um, you know, there, there's probably a future Canuck there somewhere, and we don't know which one it is, but uh, there's lot, lots of reasons to watch this game. There was a point this season where the Seattle Seahawks looked like they were heading to the playoffs. They were surprising everybody because nobody thought they were a playoff team at the start of the year. But since that high water point, the Hawks are going backwards. Injuries have depleted their running game and their defense has gone back to having trouble stopping the other team's run game, which is why they lost yesterday to Carolina at home. Arnold hands it off for Blackshear, and he breaks through Raheem Blackshear. It's, it's for whatever reason, um, since the Tampa game, we haven't been as, as sharp as we were earlier. And uh, um, teams have adapted. we got to keep adapting, too. we got to keep getting better and making sure that we're staying ahead of it. It's been, um, it, it's, it's, it's been frustrating. What's worse, Seattle's running game has been devastated by injuries. They had to play against Carolina without Kenneth Walker III, and that was debilitating. 
It threw Seattle's offense off kilter. And it's that run-pass balance that helped quarterback Geno Smith flourish when Seattle's running backs were healthier. You know, people have been talking about the throwing game in the NFL and all that for all these, you know, last few years or whatever. Tell me about it now. <laughs> you know, look, look, what's, look, look what, how it's going and, and how teams are, you know, so balanced. The really, the best teams are so balanced and, and uh, doing a nice job of running the football. Now, the Seahawks don't have a lot of time to heal their backfield or improve their defense for their next game because they'll play Thursday night against San Francisco. Got to make a turn here, and we have to, the things that we've been focusing on, we've got to see the results that we need to get done here. And maybe I'm thinking about it, maybe it's a, it's a bigger deal. It's going to take a little bit longer than one week to, to, to flip something we wanted to flip, so we'll see what happens. This is the schedule for the final four in the World Cup. Tomorrow, Argentina, Croatia. Wednesday, France and Morocco. If this says one thing, if this says one thing, it's that Canada had a super tough group because two of the four teams in Canada's foursome are still in this tournament, Morocco and Croatia. I bet they would agree with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Belgium was ranked number two going in, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks, Squire. Up next, a 10-year-old boy who could probably give the grown-ups a lesson or two in the spirit of giving. Join Global News Morning live from the Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come donate an unwrapped toy and make Christmas a little brighter for families in need. In partnership with Fortis BC, investing in energy for a better BC. Jordan Armstrong has his... Finger on the pulse of the city, standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. We certainly try to, although there's always so much going on, Chris. Teen violence is the hot topic of a community forum underway right now in Surrey. It was organized after an 18-year-old was stabbed to death outside Tamanua Secondary last month. Plus, we'll tell you about changes at YVR that will hopefully make travel a bit easier through the holidays, including the expansion of a line-skipping service for security. It's already offered to people flying to the U.S., at 11, find out who else will be allowed to use it and when. Chris? Sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. A 10-year-old Alberta boy has come up with a creative way to help the homeless this holiday season. As Global's Gil Tucker shows us, he's taking donated dollars and doubling up the support they can bring. How about this one? Perfect. Aiden Ludwig and his mom Jessica looking for clothing to beat the cold. You think it keeps them warm? Yeah, I do. Out to bring that winter warmth to Calgarians who find themselves struggling this holiday season. We're out on the street begging for money and it just made me feel very bad for them. So this 10-year-old stepped up to help. Just kind of helped the homeless, kind of... Like survive. Posting this video appealing for donations. And then scarves. Before long, collecting a thousand dollars. This one. Nice and soft. Money that goes a long way at this women in need thrift store, where proceeds from sales go toward all kinds of programs that support women and their families. Really, really happy and thrilled that uh, they reached out to us and uh, helping us make a difference. Aiden then making an even bigger difference by taking everything he'd bought here and donating it to the mustard seed, where demand for shelter space has doubled since last winter. It's inspiring to us. A young boy who has a compassionate heart, and that's a great example, uh, first of all, to other children, but even to us as adults of saying, hey, we can do more than we're doing now. What kind of shoes do you think would be best? One boy helping two organizations provide much-needed support for a lot of people. Really, it's, it's a double whammy. 
these ones. He's always been this way. We'll see people outside that are begging for food when we go into a convenience store and he'll ask me for $10 so that he can go buy food and bring it out to them right away. Turks gloves. To see that he's thinking of others instead of just himself for Christmas, it makes me so proud. Yeah, nice and fluffy. They can feel included in Christmas. Maybe some blankets to make them feel happy and not so lonely and maybe not so cold. Sleeping bag. Gil Tucker, Global News. What a good kid. He's a good kid. It can get obviously very cold, very wintry in mm -hmm. Calgary, and he's doing a great thing. Uh, okay, uh, last word, I guess, before we go on sports, because it's a big World Cup day tomorrow morning. Yes, um, this will be Messi's last chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, if he wins this game, of course, he will have one more chance. He still hasn't right. won a World Cup, uh, but here's his big chance. But one thing about Croatia, and we've said this throughout the tournament, Croatia finds a way. They made the final. There could be a repeat of the last final. France and Croatia could meet again if they both win their games. So 11 o'clock tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. My phone will be on Do Not Disturb. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night.